Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today we're pleased to speak to Imam Sami Zaharna. Assalamu Sami. How's it going? Wa alaikum assalam It's an honor to be here. Thank you for being here. Sami Zaharna is the lead imam of the Muslim Family Center in the state of Maryland in the United States. He holds multiple ijazas across the different disciplines of the Islamic tradition, including the memorization of the Quran, study of hadith, and Islamic jurisprudence. He completed his seminary studies and received an anamiya license from Al-Salam Institute under, under the tutelage of Sheikh Akram Nadwi. And... Uh, I'd also like to say out of transparency that uh, Sammy is a dear childhood friend. So if uh, anyone detects any unintended tone of informality on my part, now you know why. <laughs> the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the most beloved person to, to Muslims. Uh, he, is the, he is more beloved to us than our own parents. And he has been honored and elevated in rank above all human beings and has been chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be the messenger of his final message and re- revelation to mankind. And expressing love for someone takes several manifestations, you know, of which could include seeking to emulate someone or yearning to learn more about that person that you love and so on. And in light of this, millions of Muslims around the world read and study Imam al-Tirmidhi's compilation of the Prophet, peace be upon him's characteristics and traits in his work, the Shama'il. And today with Brother Sami, we will seek to educate ourselves a little better about this important and popular work, inshallah. So Sami, maybe you could start us off by introducing us to the author of the Shama'il al-Muhammadiyah and, and what, what this work is about overall. Jazakum Allah khairan. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Salatu wassalamu ala ashraf al-anbiya wal-mursaleen. Sayyidina Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin fil-awwaleen. Wa salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin fil-akhirin. Wa salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin fil-nabiyyin. Wa salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin fil-mursaleen. Wa salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin fil-malail a'la ila yawmuddin. For the, for the beautiful introduction. Before, before um, I answer that question, I, I, I do want to kind of um, piggyback on what you said about being a childhood friend and um, very quickly say that this, this you know, um, interview or um, discussion is special for a number of reasons, but most, impo- most importantly, because it's about the Prophet and what makes it even more, more special for me is that, as you mentioned, Bassem and I grew up together. We were best friends from a very, very early age. Um, and we went through very different phases in our life. Um, you know, a phase of childhood, a phase of perhaps not being as close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we should. And then we both separated ways and independently, uh, Allah guided us to come back to him and to learning and to, um, 
you know, getting closer to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and taking a path of ilm, um, uh, though we're, we're junior students, but Allah allowed us to take this path. And what's beautiful about this is, alhamdulillah, Bassem and I, Allah blessed us to uh, meet most recently in the city of our beloved Prophet wasallam during the month of Rabi'ah al-Awwal, where we, where we were able to actually read from this book together. Um, in the you know right outside the haram of the of of, a, of Nabi sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa alayhi. so alhamdulillah so this is this is a very special <laughs> session for me indeed it is but let's let's go into it so you know the question is about the author of the Shama al-Muhammadiyah and what the work is about overall but before before I answer that let's kind of level set and maybe perhaps set some context as to what this genre of Shama'il is and how it's situated in the larger um, context of sirah or history of the uh, and life events of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, because I think it's it's really if we want to understand shama'il, we got to kind of have understand as what one of my teachers called the Muhammadan disciplines, oh, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so 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 let's start with you know just like I think all of the Islamic sciences in the very early days, you know, in the in the generation of the companions and the tabi'in, they were more concerned with just reporting events of the Prophet ﷺ, what they call Asr al-Tadween, you know, the era in which uh, Islamic sciences were compiled into individual sciences. That happened starting with the, the, the generation of Tabi'at Tabi'in, mm. right? The generation of the, the, the predecessors, not the companions or the predecessors, the one after them, right? Mm. The third generation after the Prophet ﷺ. And what you find is the early genre of Sirah um, followed the practice of the Arabs, right? Without going into too much detail, because it's not, it's not the, um, it's not necessarily the topic here. But the Arabs, generally speaking, they were very concerned with collecting, um, you know, epics, right? They would they would record their history in these long poems that uh, mentioned the bravery and the courage and the events of different wars. Um, uh, and of different events of that nature, as well as genealogy, right? Mm-hmm. And Seb. Yeah. This was, you know, this was well practiced from pre-Islamic Arabia. You see, you hear like these epics and these poems about the different b- b- battles that came before. They're very well known. You can, you know, check Diwan al-Hamasa, uh, the canon of the Hamasa poetry that talks a lot about this, right? And so... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc uh some of the very early uh um pious predecessors like musa ibn Uqba, um start to write in this genre what at the time was called in maghazi 
Yeah. The Maghazi literally are the battles or the, um, you know, the battles of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what we call today Sira, his life events. Uh, in fact, I believe Musa ibn Uqba, for a long time, this, the manuscripts, I believe, weren't um, extant, or they, we didn't have, we, yeah. they were just referenced, but, but I think only very recently they published. Very, recently, yeah. very exciting. Very exciting times. Yeah, it's really exciting. I know there's a few projects of translating them now. So he passes away 141 after Hijrah, Musa ibn Uqba. And, you know, most, the most well-known of these people are Muhammad ibn Ishaq. Hamdan Ishaq was a was a hadith narrator, but very well known for Sirah, right? In fact, you know, there's he was kind of criticized by Imam Malik and some yeah. others for his approach because he tried to, you can say, um, reconcile or take from both the hadith approach of taking mm-hmm. narrations, but also that epic poem yeah. and sab genealogy approach mm-hmm. to a recording and narrating history, mm-hmm. right? Um, during this period, so uh, Muhammad ibn Ishaq, you know, uh, and, and Musa ibn Uqba, during this period, the normative practice of Islam, you know, was still to some extent preserved mm. amongst the Arabs, right? And so they were, you know, the, the, the being, the culture, the practice of the Prophet wasallam. these were things that were inherited, yeah. right? They were normative in how they inherited them from generation to generation, right? Um, but later on, that you can say normative inheritance, if we want to call it that, call it that, that's not there anymore. And so you start to see tadween. You start yeah. to see individual genres of fiqh, you know, jurisprudence of um, of the, the different sciences of language, um, start to of sirah. They start to form their own disciplines, yeah. right? And amongst those was Shema'il, right? Mm-hmm. So if we say Sirah or Maghazi is the re- recording of history of the life events of the Prophet wasallam, the scholars in a later period, so starting from 200 after Hijrah, start to become concerned with, you know, thematic treatment of how the Prophet wasallam was, his, his characteristics, his description, what he did how he treated others, what he used to say when he did things, mm. so on and so forth. It's not that these weren't known. They were. So if you look at, I don't know, any of the six books or any of the major collections of hadith, you'll have different chapters yeah. that are concerned with different aspects of the Prophet wasallam's life, but not in standalone books. Yeah. Right. And so the first... And certainly first, not comprehensive enough either. Yeah. yeah, not in a comprehensive treatment. And you start to see this over the next five, six generations the level of comprehensiveness just increases, mm-hmm. right? Until um, you can see that, that collection over there, probably. Yeah. The, the, the bigger one there, that's like a 14-volume one by a 9th mm-hmm. century scholar, a Subulul Huda wa Rashad. It's just yeah. very, you know, yeah. encyclopedic in the treatment of everything related to the Prophet wasallam, right? And then you start to see explanations on those, right? That like the, the, the you know, mm-hmm. uh, Ahmed Shamsi calls it the post-classical period. So starting mm-hmm. from the 9th or 10th century, um, after Hijrah, you start to see a lot of shuruh, margins, you know, hawashi, explaining these works. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so just to, to go back, so start no, it's, good. After it's good to give that context, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, just a level set, right? And yeah. so Ibn Nadim, the very famous bibliographer, um, who wrote, you know, uh, like uh, uh, he wrote just a catalog of all the books. He mentions um, 
the earliest book on Shema'il being a book for the Muhaddith Wahb ibn Wahb al-Asdi that, uh, who passed away in 200 after Hijrah. Mm. That book is no longer extant. Mm. Neither is two or three after them. But mm. the first one that is, um, is the book of Imam Abu Isa, Muhammad ibn Isa ibn Sawra al-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah wa radiyan, who passes away 279 after Hijrah. This is a book that all the scholars afterwards, without exception, they will mention this as kind of the hallmark, you know, the, the book when it comes to the explanation of the Prophet sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And so, um, Im, uh, Imam, who is this Muhammad? Abu Isa, Muhammad ibn Isa ibn Sawra al-Tirmidhi, right? He, so he's born around 209 or 210 in uh, the city of Tirmidh, which is, you know, Asia Minor. It's in modern-day Uzbekistan, southern Uzbekistan. Um, and he was born during the golden age of Hadith, in the center of where Hadith scholarship was flourishing, mm. right? Which is Asia Minor, tra- Transoxania, some will call it. This is where Hadith was flourishing. You know, he spent his first 20 years or so around his locality, learning from some f- some of the great scholars there, you know, including uh, Ishaq ibn Rahawayhi and others. And then he start traveling. And so this, the rihla fi talab al-ilm was very common, traveling for the sake of learning hadith. And during his travels, he had a very special relationship with his main teacher, who's none other than Imam al-Bukhari, Muhammad al-Sma'i al-Bukhari. When Imam al-Bukhari, you know, spent five years in Naysapur, Imam al-Tirmidhi was there and he spent most of his time with Imam al-Bukhari. And he had a very special relationship with him. In fact, Imam al-Bukhari himself says to his student, Imam al-Tirmidhi, he says, um, I I learned from you more than you learned from me. And Imam uh, Imam, uh, al-Tirmidhi, when he speaks about like the the science of ilal al-Hadith, which is, you know, defects in Hadith, uh, Imam al-Bukhari, Hidden defects in hadith, yeah. Imam, Imam al-Bukhari was a master of this, and Imam uh, Tirmidhi writes a book on it. And at the end of the book, he says, everything in this book I presented to Imam al-Bukhari. Nice. Meaning that he really, he took this science in and out from, from Imam al-Bukhari, and he, he wore it with a badge of honor. So he, he in one of, in, in, in his main book, Al-Kitab al jamir Right, what Sunan, what people call Sunan al-Tirmidhi, Kitab al-Jama'ah. In a couple places, he narrates a hadith, and he mentions that an Imam al-Bukhari heard this hadith from me. Wow. Though, to the best of my knowledge, I don't know that Imam al-Bukhari narrates it in any of his books. Mm. But Imam al-Tirmidhi, you can you can see that special relationship that he had yeah. with his teacher. And in fact, he actually narrates hadith, and he took shiuch and teachers from Imam al-Bukhari's teachers. Right, so they they actually share nine. Nine shiuch in common, the 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 most important, which is Muhammad bin Bashar bin Dar. You know, the, the bin Dar means in Persian like the expert in hadith. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a teacher of all of the six narrators of hadith. Imam al-Tirmidhi and Bukhari both narrate from them, and um, it's actually said Imam al-Tirmidhi. Um, some people say he was born blind, though the majority of the muhaqqiqun, they the majority of those that you know the the, the critical editors they say no that's probably not correct mm. he became blind later on later. and actually one theory of that is he became blind crying over the death of his teacher imam al-bukhari oh. right and so he had a very special relationship with him 
Uh, Imam al-Tirmidhi, his, his books are known for being very meticulous, extremely meticulous, as was the case with his teacher, Imam al-Bukhari. So if you read Jami al-Tirmidhi as an example, mm. his chapter headings are clear. His methodology is very clear. He actually mm. takes from the way of Imam Muslim in putting all of the ahadith of different narration in one chapter, but he takes from the way of Imam al-Bukhari in making in uh, the chapter headings indicating a position in jurisprudence or in fiqh, mm, mm. right? So he kind of, and then he will comment because he learned fiqh from the, the people of Iraq, what they call Ahlul Ra'i, right? Mm. And the people of Iraq tend to be very good at this, you know, um, speculative theology and discussions. Mm, mm. And so he would, he would, in his book, he would say, and this is the position of the people of Iraq, this is the position, so on and so forth. Mm. He was extremely meticulous. He was also meticulous in grading hadith himself, mm, mm. grading hadith himself. Um, and so he, this is the person who authored yeah, uh, Shema ul tirmidhi Very good. Well, no, I mean, that's, that's very, I think it's very important to, to know, you know, the, the stature of the scholar, you know, he, uh, obviously we, we hold all our scholars in, in, in very high esteem, uh, but same time, you know, we're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, d- just any scholar who, uh, you know, uh, obviously has has this great love for the Prophet it was just collecting any uh, uh, narrations or any ahadith willy-nilly uh, that were positive about the Prophet but rather we're dealing with an actual prominent muhaddith and a prominent stu- one of the prominent students of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah. So, yeah. and, you know, yeah. and you know, you know, but sorry to interrupt, but no, we're going to get to this later in, yeah. in one of the questions, but that's that's perhaps, and Allah knows best, the, one of the main reasons why this book spread in the way that it spread is because of the author himself, because of who he is, right? Imam al-Tirmidhi wasn't someone who became known and esteemed at a later period. Mm-hmm. You know, Imam al-Tirmidhi was Imam al-Tirmidhi during yeah. his... During his time as he is today, we'll get to that later, though. Inshallah. 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 So maybe right now we could step a little bit more into into the book itself. Um, you know, uh, how 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 is it how is it structured? Uh, you know, what what are some of its key themes and chapters and how it's laid out? Perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, the, the book, according to the the you know the the stronger. Um, uh, you know, versions of it or critical editions of it has 56 chapters. Mm-hmm. The beginning chapters start with the physical characteristics of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. His physical looks um, first comprehensively and then within different characters. So, you know, it will start, for instance, concerning his physical appearance. Then it will talk, speak about, you know, Khatim al-Nubuwa, the, uh, the the yeah. seal of prophethood that was between his shoulders. It will speak about his hair. So it starts comprehensively, and then it goes into different variations of his physical characteristics. Because the word shama'il, perhaps I should have mentioned this earlier, the word shama'il comes from the word that means a, a tabar, a sajiyya, you know, a person's nature, his character, his temperament, right? And uh, one of the modern scholars, Sheikh Yusuf al-Nabhani, who was a Palestinian scholar, later uh, moved to Beirut where he became a qadli, a judge. And he was very, you know, as a scholar of hadith, and he was he was very keen on writing about the Prophet ﷺ. So his entire, his entire canon of work is all either hadith about the Prophet ﷺ, his shama'il, his, these characteristics, 
and especially in Madih, you know, in uh, praise of him and poetry. Um, anyway, so Yusuf al-Nabhani, he mentions that, and so this word, shama'il, it's used haqiqatan, it's used literally mm. to describe his character, and it's used majazan, metaphorically, to s- describe his physical appearance, right? So so, th- so that's how it starts. The book of Shama'il starts with his physical appearance. It then, in the subsequent chapters, speaks about his daily life. So things about what he ate, what he drank, um, you know, how he combed his hair, how he applied perfume, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, it then moves on to his social life. So how he spoke, how he laughed, um, how he spoke with his wives in the evening. Because the Prophet would speak with his wives in the evenings, you know. And in fact, there's a very long hadith there about how his wife Aisha would even share stories of the past, you know. Tales of old about women of Jahiliyyah who would complain about their husbands. Hadith Umm Zara'ah is a very well-known hadith. And in fact, you know, alhamdulillah, I was blessed to actually read this book uh, or sit in a majlis of what they call majlis sama'ah. We're going to get to this, uh, a a reading, an audition of this book to Sheikh Abd al-Rahman al-Kittani. Abd al-Rahman al-Kittani, rahimahullah, he passed away very recently, uh, last fall. And he was the son of the great last, some people consider the last great Musnad and Muhaddith, Muhammad Abdul Hayy al-Kattani. His son, he was over a hundred years old. We sat and we read this book in its entirety to him. And it's three hours or so. It took us about three hours. And I remember when we got to Hadith Umm Zara, you know, he was kind of um, moving left to right, enjoying, enjoying, you know, the, um, enjoying the, the narration because in it, there's a lot of, it's it's quite funny actually parts of it and how they would complain about their husbands. Anyway, um, uh, there would be things again about his social life, how he spoke, how he laughed, how he cried, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, how he was with people, how he was um, in in amongst his companions, fi majlisihi, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then you can say is like the meat and potatoes of the book, his character, and. Again, there's a chapter concerning his character, character Ijmalan. So generally speaking, how was his character, his virtue, his conduct? And then he goes into, you know, different categories of that. So how was his recitation of Quran and how it caused him tears? How are his tears? How was his zuhd, his ostentation, his humility, his tawadur, his haya, um, you know, his modesty? All of those are, are treated as sub-chapters. And finally, there is like the concluding chapters regarding his name, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his age when he passed away, regarding his death, sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa ala regarding the inheritance that he left. And the Prophet wasallam left very little material wealth behind. But what he left behind is his tradition and this knowledge that the scholars have inherited from him, as he says in these ahadith. Um so yeah, so 56 chapters, they're all chaptered, the chapter regarding whatever that thing is, starting with physical and then daily social life, character, and finally his death and matters relating, relating to that. Um, when we, okay, so clearly this is, uh, you know, a, a very important book uh, in its genre. Um, but here, if we want to emphasize a little bit more on, you know, what level of importance uh, and uh, attention that the classical scholars or even contemporary scholars have have given this book. Now, uh, you know, obviously, 
uh, if we think about a book like Imam al-Nawawi's uh, Riyadh al-Sadihin, we, we know that a lot of scholars, you know, uh, recommend each, each Muslim having this book on his book, you know, on a shelf, reading it periodically and whatnot. So there's a lot of attention given to this, to this book. Is that sort of, you know, kind of attention or level of importance assigned to the Shama'il as well by, by our ulama or, or not, not really at that same level? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a great question. I, I want to start with an anecdote I found in one book. There's a, there's, there's a, a, a scholar, Dr. Hassan Al-Hali, I believe his name is, who wrote a, um, who wrote a book around the, the Maghrib, so the, the you know Morocco, Tunisia, Andalusia, uh, scholars' treatment of this book, and uh, in the introduction he mentions he mentions a few scholars in the sixth, seventh, and eighth century, which would kind of indicate that it was a practice of the ulama mm. who would keep a copy of the Shama'il either in their um, their pocket, so oh. they would always keep a copy of the Shama'il of the, in their pocket, and he mentions. Al-Adib Aba Muhammad Abdullah ibn Hawtillahi al-Ansari. He mentions another one. وَأَنَّ حَافِظَ الْمَغْرِبِ فِي وَقْتِهِ أَبَ الْقَاسِمَ عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ بْنِ مُوسَى بْنِ مُعْطِيَ الْعَبْدُوسِ الْفَاسِ نَزِيلُ تُونِسِ He passes away at 37. They would keep the Shama'il or Al-Shifa, Kitab al-Shifa, in their pocket or in a bag of Qadi Ayyad, exactly. Which I'm going to speak of, inshallah, soon. In their pocket and when asked about that they will say in it is a description of my beloved and i would like to keep it with me right and so and so they would especially the maghrib you know they really had a, a an obsession with the love of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the reading of shaman and so for centuries now as an example including my teacher who's been doing this for you know uh, over a decade would read uh, would have a reading and explanation of Kitab al-Shama'il, of Imam al-Tirmidhi, and or Kitab uh, al-Shifa uh, for al-Qadi Ayyad, al-Yahsabi, in the Rabi' al-Awwal. They would always read this, mm-hmm. right? And so you find, you know, the scholars they mention, one of the, one of the ways you find out how important a book is, is how many manuscripts do you have of it, mm-hmm. right? And generally speaking, and I'm not an expert in this topic, but based on what I know, mm-hmm. is most of the manuscripts that we have are from the post-classical period. Mm-hmm. We will have indications of the, all the auditions, what they call sama'at. Mm-hmm. Sama'at, and during the classical period, so the, you know, the golden age of, of Islam, so to speak, the 3rd century to the ninth century, Hijri, mm-hmm. um, the way people learned was through a, a student would come and they would have their copy of the book that they would get from a scribe. Mm. So a scribe would scribe it for them. They would get their copy and then they would sit with their teacher. Sometimes they would read to the teacher. Sometimes the teacher would read it and they would correct their copy, right? And if a person didn't have that, they weren't considered someone who had knowledge, mm. right? In fact, I- I- Imam uh, uh, Tirmidhi himself, he narrates a... Uh, a really funny anecdote regarding this, that he went to one shiuch to read two volumes of hadith upon him. And so he grabbed the two volumes that he thought were his copy of that sheikh's hadith. Mm. Remember, Imam Tirmidhi passes away 279 after, you know, after hijrah. He goes to him, and then when he, when he, when he meets the sheikh, he opens his volumes and he realized that he took another two that he erased. So there was nothing in there. 
But he was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And so the Sheikh start reading the hadith, and Imam al is kind of looking at his blank copies. And then the Sheikh himself recognizes that. He says, You don't have any hayat. You're coming here without this. So you can you can see their 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 um their mentality is that if you really learned, you would actually sit in an audition, you would learn and you would correct your copy. So anyway, the, the, the anecdote continues that Imam, Imam al-Tirmidhi says, no, I've memorized everything you said. And he repeated it to him. So the Sheikh said, no, no, you must have prepared before you came. So he said, okay, mention any like gharib hadith, you know, hadith, strange narrations from, from turuq, from like paths that are not, not, not well known, right? So he did an Imam, Imam al-Tirmidhi, you know, kind of repeated it to him. And this is common amongst the great hadith scholars where they had this, Really, really strong memory. So anyway, so uh, during this period, there were tons of sama'at. So for instance, if you open Sir Alam al-Nubala, the great biographical um, di- dictionary of, um, of Imam al-Zahabi, you will see and you open this period, you know, the, this 3rd to ninth century, all the scars say, وَسَمِعَ كِتَابُ I just like did a search, Kitab al-Shama'il, Shama'il Muhammadiyya on Sir Alam al-Nubala, and it's just filled with scholars. And he Gosh. heard Kitab Shama'il from him, and he heard Shama'il from him, like so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So this was this was really common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the modern, uh, you can say, bibliographers who um, catalogs the manuscripts in the different libraries, he counts over 150 uh, Nusakh manuscripts of a Shama'il in the different, you know, libraries that, around the world. And People continue to find more, right? Mm-hmm. People continue to find more. I found, I looked on that list. And again, this is not my specialty, but I found one as early as, you know, in the uh, 7th century Hijri, so mm-hmm. six something. Mm-hmm. But the majority of them, as is the case with manuscripts, comes in the post-classical period. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, and Allah knows best, is that now people are starting to write commentaries on them. Mm-hmm. And so those manuscripts become more important and they become yeah. referenced more in mm-hmm. these commentaries. So mm-hmm. almost... All of them start with the 9th century or 10th century uh, 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 and forward, right? Shuruh, commentaries and and, and, and margins, so hawashi, on the kitab al-shama'il al-timidhi, or ikhtisar, like muhtasarat, so abridgments of shama'il al-timidhi. In Morocco alone, there's like over 200. Um, Imam uh, Sheikh Abdu Koshek, who was a great Syrian critical editor, um, who loved the Prophet وسلم, and he was most proud actually of his critical edition of Kitab al-Shifa for Qadi Ayyad. In fact, he passed away, in a, may Allah have mercy on his soul, probably 10 years ago, I believe, or so, in a car accident in Egypt. And in his will, he said, bury me with this book. So he was actually buried. He was buried with Kitab al-Shifa because of how special this critical edition was to him. But anyway, he, he mentions over 75 or something like that, 72 or 75, commentaries on Kitab al-Shama'il. All of these commentaries are, again, in that post-classical period, as is the case yeah, with almost all commentaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As all commentaries. You know, starting with the commentary of Imam al-Hajar al-Haytami mm. and, and moving forward, you know, so, so many commentaries on this book. And modern scholars, you know, hadith wa haraj you know, mm. I, there's, there's so, so many commentaries, either on Shama'il or if you want to say an extension of that. So like mm-hmm. scholars that are writing new works on it. Because mm. what you find is Shama'il al-Tirmidhi is really a book of Shama'il 
that it is the way of the people of Hadith. So it's just narration of Hadith that is categorized or compiled under um, chapters relating to those Hadith. Mm -hmm. That's the way of Imam al-Tirmidhi. Now, moving forward from the third, third to ninth centuries, you see that scholars start expanding upon that, right? So as an example, the most famous of those works is the book of uh, Al-Qadi Iyad, the book of Al-Qadi Iyad, um, who passes away 544 after Hijrah, right? Al-Qadi Iyad, what he does now is he takes a genre of Shama'il mm. and he starts to, he starts to, you can say, th thematically categorize it in different ways. So instead of saying like what the Prophet ﷺ did, ate, so on forth, he will say, you know, a chapter regarding the importance of loving the Messenger ﷺ. Now he won't only include a hadith, Mm. but he will include commentary from the companions mm. or from the tabi'in mm. and so on and so forth, including his own commentary, mm. right? Mm. So he would expand that, right? Mm. Then you have, for instance, and there's so many, but I'm just mentioning yeah. like the very famous ones because for your listeners, for those that are listening, if you're going to read something, these are the ones you should read, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have Ibn al-Qayyim al, al jawziyah as an example in his book Zad al-Ma'ad fi Hadi Khayr al-Ibad. Ibn al-Qayyim, and what's amazing actually about this book, it's so, like, it's encyclopedic. And Imam al-Qayyim, in his introduction to it, you know, he apologizes to the readers at the end. And the reason he apologizes is that he's writing this book on travel without his manuscripts in his books. Mm -hmm. So Zad al-Ma'ad, in its incredible comprehensiveness, yeah. right, mm -hmm. is written from his memory. Um, which if anyone's read this book and he goes into like great detail in, in analyzing a hadith and analyzing language and mentioning the opinions of the scholars. Um, he speaks a lot about prophetic medicine as an example in this book. Mm -hmm. This is all, you know, he does it, you know, as I say, off the dome, right? He mentions yeah. it. But, so you start, you, you, you see this and then 10th, 11th, 12th century is where all the commentaries on this book kind of really start to explode on Shama'il uh, Tirmidhi. And it's important to note the, one of the reasons for this is that these scholars, they viewed the reading of Shama'il not only as, you can say, a purely intellectual exercise, but as a mm -hmm. devotional act. Mm -hmm. They really saw it as a devotional act. You know, hold, mm -hmm. what does holding the book of Shama'il, keeping it with me, mean? Mm -hmm. It means that reading it in itself is devotion mm -hmm. to Allah. It's worship of Allah by devotion to His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? And Imam al-Tirmidhi, one of the proofs of this is that the way he writes Shama'il is very different than the way he writes uh, Kitab al-Jama'ah, you know, his, his main collection of hadith. In the main collection of hadith, he comments on the authenticity. He also speaks about the amal, like the, the practice of the scholars and how they implemented hadith, meaning he spoke about fiqh, jurisprudence, mm, mm, mm. right? He commented on uh, the hadith uh, uh, great, he graded the hadith and he would compare it with other ahadith. In Shama'il al-Tirmidhi, he doesn't do any of this, except very rarely, right? Similarly to how Imam al-Bukhari, you know, in Sahih al-Bukhari, follows a specific methodology. But when it comes to his book on etiquettes and adab and akhlaq, al-adab al-mufrad, he doesn't follow that methodology yeah. at all. Yeah. Right. And it, and and it's as though to, it's as though to say Imam Tirmidhi is kind of telling us that this is a devotional book. Like it's not intended for with the rigor 
mm. of analyzing a hadith in that very dry intellectual way <laughs> that other books are, mm. right? Mm. Um, yeah. Great, it's great. So clearly, clearly, I mean, um, and, I, and I like the different uh, indicators that, you, that you've shown, number of commentaries, number of manuscripts, number of mentions in uh, Imam Zahabi's uh, Siyar, you know, a, a lot of these are very good Qara'in uh, or indicators uh, highlighting just how important this 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 work uh, has been uh, in history. Um, but if we were to think about the actual, you know, what you refer to as the Muhammadan uh, uh, genre, right? Um, was you know, uh, were there other books uh, that were written uh, that were similar to Imam Tirmidhi's Shama'il uh, or? Uh, or uh, so basically, is Imam Tirmidhi Shama'il unique in terms of its structure, or is it exception? Or were there other books written similar to it, but uh, but it actually really stood out? And if it did stand out compared to the others, what do you think? What do you think it is about this book that made it stand out exceptionally? You know, compared to yeah. other other books in the same genre. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great question. It's something that re does really require reflection, right? Hundreds of books have been written about Shema'il. And like I said, a lot of them after Imam Tirmidhi expanded on it. Mm. Um, some of them now start to include Shema'il with Sirah. Mm. So they would mm. mention both the life events of the Prophet wasallam, preceded or followed by Shema'il, mm. right? Mm. Which was the way of the scholars of that period. So for instance, pick up Ibn Kathir's books on uh, Seerah of the Prophet Al-Fasul or Al-Bidai wa Nihaya. It follows this. Like it mentioned Shama'il, then it'll mention Seerah. Mm -hmm. um, Ibn Al-Qayyim's book does the same thing, right? In Zad al-Ma'ad will follow this, right? There yeah. are other books that are very similar to Imam al-Tirmidhi and following just a Hadith approach. Mm -hmm. um, Shama'il. Some authors now start to explore different aspects of the Muhammadan sciences. Right. So, for instance, one of them is what they call khasa'as. What mm. makes the Prophet ﷺ and his ummah unique? Mm. So, you know, Imam Suyuti, you know, wrote a very famous book on this. Mm. Um, others wrote on what they call dala'il al-nubuwa. Yeah. Proofs of prophethood. Yeah. But, or his miracle. Like, most famously, mm. Imam Bayhaqi wrote uh, a book and others as well with the same title. Mm. However, Imam al-Tirmidhi, when it comes to the genre of Shama'il specifically, Allah put tawfiq in this work. Inshallah. You know, what are some of the reasons? A few of them, and Allah knows best. This is kind of my my own synthesis of the topic. And I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm, I'm a nobody. So take it with a grain of salt, right? I would say number one, Imam al-Tirmidhi is Imam al-Tirmidhi. Mm -hmm. right? And when you have an author of that caliber mm -hmm. write a book mm -hmm. on this, Allah, uh, naturally, people are going to levitate towards that, right? Because he is Imam al-Tirmidhi. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I recall reading when I was studying the Jamir of Imam al-Tirmidhi, his main hadith collection. I recall there was one hadith, and I have the edition of um, the critical edition of uh, the great Iraqi muhaddith um, and uh, scholar uh, Bashar Awad Maruf, very well known person, very well known scholar. And you know, in his commentary, in his hashiyah, in the margins, he was commenting on how one scholar graded this hadith. One scholar graded a hadith weak, though Imam al Tirmidhi himself says, and this hadith is Hassan Sahih, right? Without going into too much detail, that means Imam al-Tirmidhi himself says, this hadith is authentic. 
excuse me. And so Imam, uh, so Dr. Bashar Awad Ma'ruf, he mentions just one line, but it, it, always, it always stuck with me, right? And he essentially is criticizing this modern person hmm. for making the hadith weak. And he says, when Imam al-Tirmidhi and Imam al-Bukhari comment on this hadith and say it's authentic, and he says, وَكَفَى بِهِمَا جَهْبَذًا Right? Like, and do you need more than these two giants to comment mm. on something? Mm. And so he's jahbad, like he's a giant in his own right. Mm. And so because of that, people levitate towards it. Yes. So that's one reason. The, fir- the second is that it's, he's really one of the first people to write on the topic, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to speak, first to market. And when yeah. you're first to yeah. market, yeah. right, yeah. People, people will levitate yeah. towards that yeah. and, you know, uh, it, it will spread. And it was done well. And it was done very well. So it's, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, uh, to your point, it's done really well, right? I mentioned that in the book, it seems as though he wants to um, cater this book to the general masses. Mm-hmm. Unlike Al-Jami'ah, Kitab Al-Jami'ah, and other you know, intricate books of collections, they're not designed for, they're no, not made for the masses. Yeah. This book clearly is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so he, he wanted, a per, now a person of hadith, you know, a person who already has this familiarity with the Prophet ﷺ is distilling this material to make it accessible to the general masses. Yeah. This was the way of the early scholars, like I said, Imam al-Tirmidhi in this book, Imam al-Bukhari al-Adab al-Mufrad, but it's also the way of many later scholars today, right? I think what a great scholar does is he looks at the tradition and he makes the tradition accessible to people. Yeah. Like one who was very well known for this is Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, may Allah have mercy on his soul. He will take from like the books of biographies and tabaqats, like that genre of that genre. Uh, and he would bring out, you know, things that will be accessible to everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. So for instance, how um, the scholars were, you know, their, their patience in, in, in seeking knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. A very well-known book he wrote. He has a beautiful book called Rasul al-Mu'allim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Which, by the way, is my favorite book in this genre, though it's exploring one aspect of him, which is the Prophet ﷺ as an exemplar teacher. Mm-hmm. So he would take from that and he would distill it to mm-hmm. the general masses. Imam al-Tirmidhi is doing this. And so now you're doing that. It's going to become a devotional work, mm-hmm. both for the scholars, but also for the, for the masses. For the masses yeah. right? Its length is reasonable. So that's another reason. Mm-hmm. It's about 400, uh, I think 412 hadith. Mm-hmm. Again, you can read the whole thing in three hours mm-hmm. in one sitting if you really wanted to, with without going too fast. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to go fast, yeah. like yeah. in a lot of these auditions, because they just want to finish, mm-hmm. they're just like flying through the hadith and they'll finish much quicker. But yeah. three hours if you're going at a reasonable speed. That's right. And finally, and I think most importantly, um, is that perhaps as with any other book that Allah gives tawfiq, is that the author had some level of sincerity that Allah chose to allow his book to spread. And I recall an incident with Imam Malik. When Imam Malik, um, the first extant collection of book, proper book we have on um, hadith and fiqh, because the muwatta of Imam Malik is more than just hadith. Mm. Um, When he was asked, and other people were writing on this muwatta, and they were calling their book al-muwatta, they say, mm-hmm. why, he was asked, why are you writing on this when others are, 
right? Mm. And Imam Malik just responded with a very simple response. He said, "Makana lillahi baqiya." Whatever was sincere, whatever whoever writes their book sincere for Allah Azza wa Jal, it will remain. And Allah Azza wa Jal allowed this book to remain. And in fact, you find that some books for authors that are even unknown remain. Mm-hmm. And maybe the reason for that is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala put tawfiq in that, like Imam al Baykuniya. Baykuniya is a book yeah. on like the, on the science of hadith. No one really knows the author. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it's, true. It is, yeah. It, it's the it's the most you know kind of well studied book on the topic. Great, great. That's uh, thank you for that input. Um, you mentioned earlier that obviously there were several commentaries, many commentaries written on the Shema'id. Are there some notable or popular commentaries that uh, our scholars or students of knowledge even um, may recommend and prefer? And if so, any any reasons as to why these commentaries are are more popular? Or preferred? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, as I mentioned, uh, some of the scholars, they mentioned 70, 80 uh, or so, some odd commentaries on the Shema'il. We don't have, not all of them are published. Mm. Not all of them are extant. So some mm. are still in manuscript form. But mm. there's a few that are very popular, right? Mm. Mm. Um, the first, which is the earliest, I, I, I'll do what Dr. Paul Williams does here and like, grab the book. Oh, the yeah. first that is kind <laughs> of the most... Uh, the most, uh, um, the earliest one is sure. the book of Ibn Hajar al-Haytami. Mashallah. Ibn Hajar al-Haytami is a very well-known hadith scholar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's called Ashraf al-Wasail ila fahm al-Shama'il. It's about 500 pages or so. You, you um, did mention earlier uh, that Imam al-Tirmidhi followed the Ahlul Ra'i camp. So was he a Hanafi? Or like, is, it, is that safe to say? Was al-Tirmidhi a Hanafi? No, no, he didn't. Oh. Afwan, he didn't oh. follow Ahlul oh, Ra'i Okay, camps. sorry about that. Sorry. But but he he studied with them. Oh, he studied so with he them. studied okay. with yeah he studied with some of the people of Iraq. Mm-hmm. He also studied with the students of Imam Shafi'i as well. Okay. So al Mustamli of Imam Shafi'i, the one who would repeat Allah. Is it Sulaiman Rabi Abn Sulaiman or his name is escapes me? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking. Yeah, I think it was Rabi Abn. He studied with them, but Imam Tirmidhi himself um, was not was not a Hanafi, right? And you find this Ahlul Hadith. To be fair, hmm. according to my teachers, it's um, the early Hadith scholars. It would be unfair to put them in a madhab camp. Yeah, a lot of them were mushtahids, weren't they? Yeah, a lot of them were mushtahids in their own right, hmm. like Imam Al Bukhari and Imam Al Tirmidhi as well. Hmm. Right? Yeah, because um, the, the point I wanted, the, the point I was trying, uh, seeking to make was that you know, scholars from all the different madhabs, you know, there was no tasalb in saying no, we're going to pick a scholar from our camp and pick his shema and right, like no. Everyone recognized that this was a seminal work, and uh, absolutely, and you know, uh, sectarian affiliations did not, you know, uh, uh, clog the lens, the objectivity of the of the lens through which they were seen. Great, great, yeah. So, yeah. so the first one was Ibn Hajar al Haytami. That's interesting. Ibn Hajar al Haytami. You know, Ibn Hajar al Haytami. It's it's fairly short. He doesn't go into too much detail. Mm-hmm. He will comment on because he's a hadith scholar, so he will comment on. Um, matters you know intricate matters related to hadith um it's a good book mashallah it's a good book um there's a few places ibn hajar al-haytami tended to have a sharp tongue um with mm. respect to certain figures so you know at sometimes he would he would he would let that loose so mm. sometimes you just need to kind of read okay. past is, that, is that reflected <laughs> right? in the commentary is that what you're is that reflected uh, yeah, yeah, he 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 does that yeah. in the commentary. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right? what I, uh, I was thinking why you were mentioning that. Okay, all right, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> good heads so, up. Ibn, 
it, there's there's also the work of uh, Abdul Rauf al Munawi, which is a very well known work, mm-hmm. simply titled Sharh al Shamal. He passes away 1031 after Hijrah. Ibn Hajar is 973. So that's, to my knowledge, I think this is the earliest Sharh that mm-hmm. I personally know of. Mm-hmm. Allah knows best. There might be other earlier ones, but at least when I was looking, it's the earlier one. Mm-hmm. Abdul Rauf al Munawi. So this is Sharh al Shamal. I haven't read too much into this, so I, mm-hmm. you know, I won't. No, I won't no, no, then there is, and this is my favorite personally, is there is a great scholar, Mullah Ali Qari, who passes mm-hmm. away 1014. Mm-hmm. Mullah Ali Qari commented on everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's one of those people, he has he has hundreds of books, and he has a commentary literally on every book. And this one is very comprehensive. It's very expansive. It's three volumes. It's called Jam'ul Wasail Fi Sharh al-Shama'il. Uh, in three volumes. He was a Hanafi scholar, yeah. but he was also a scholar of Hadith. So though he was Hanafi, um, he didn't always follow the like the the off the the authorized Hanafi position in everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He was also not as you can say sharp tongued as like I mentioned Ibn Ibn to me as great of a scholar as he is. Mm. You know he was he was and the, he was a little bit more uh, soft. Mm. He tried to be conciliatory between the different kind of schools with mm. in in that regard. Mm. Um, and the other thing I really like about it, he does focus in several places on some of like the spiritual significance of things, right. which I appreciate and I, and I like to take from him. And most importantly, he summarizes and mentions what everyone before him does. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's a good starting point, right? And if you, you know, especially for the, the students of knowledge here, it's a good starting point because what it allows you to do is then, you know, delve deeper into the original sources um, if, if you want to. The other thing is he comments on hadith nuances which again is okay, nice because okay. this book though the meaning of Shama'il al-Tirmidhi is all authentic mm. there are certain narrations that you know are either weak or very weak mm. um, we take the meaning is no problem yeah. but you know he kind of he, he will comment on that yeah. um, so this is this is a really good one right. the most accessible I think to the masses and to you know general students of knowledge is this book by he was the sheikh of the Mosque of Al-Azhar. He's a very well-known scholar, Imam Al-Faqih Ibrahim bin Muhammad Al-Bajuri, Al-Shafi'i, who passes away 1277. It's called Al-Mawahib Al-Laddunia Ala Shama'il Al-Muhammadiyya. There's a really good print by Dar al-Minhaj that you can get that is um, the critical editions done by the great Syrian Aleppo scholar, Shaykh Muhammad Awama. Imam Al-Bajuri's commentary is beautiful for a number of reasons. Number one, it's relatively short. Right. Number two, he doesn't focus a lot on the hadith sciences. Mm. And in fact, some people will criticize that. They'll say that's one of the weaknesses because he makes mistakes here and there. But Sheikh Muhammad Awama points those out when he needs to, yeah. right? Number three, he doesn't like he doesn't go into lengthy discussions on minutia. Mm. He really focuses yeah. on the devotional aspect of yeah. Shama'il. Yeah. And the meat and potatoes of what we should get out of it, mm-hmm. right? And so, for the general student, I won't say I won't even say the general masses because it's still a ilmi commentary. And yeah. I think for the general masses of people, it might not be as accessible. But for the general student, I would definitely start with this one, Imam Al Bajuri. Allah gave him tawfiq across the disciplines, right? So his works on creed you know, are well-known in Ash'ari Creed. His works on his commentary of Nabi Shuja'a and Shafi'i Fiqh is very well-known. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him tawfiq um, in, 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 in his pen 
Um, so it's it's a really good book. So so those from the pre I can say from the older w- works, these are four that I personally um, use, or you know three, and then the book of Munawi that again Mulalikari always ca- mentions anyway. So so you have it there. Some of the modern ones, I haven't really read into them. I read part of Dr. Walid al-Manasi's work. Dr. Walid al-Manasi is a well-known scholar of Qur'at of Qur'an, scholar of Hadith. He lives today in Minneapolis or in Minnesota in the United States of America. He has a really nice work. I read parts of it. Um, Sheikh al-Munajjid, Ahmed Saleh al-Munajjid from, uh, from, from Saudi Arabia, very well-known scholar. He also has a work. And what's nice about that one is he has a, um, an audio commentary as well, if people want to listen to that. And that, mashallah, there's, there's several, there's so many modern works on this. In the subcontinent, Sheikh Muhammad Zakari al-Kandahlawi, very well-known scholar, he also has a, a commentary on this. Yeah, so they're just, those are just a few of them, and there's many more. MashaAllah. Now, here, um, some, some Muslims um, might be wondering, you know, why, why is it important to know about very minor physical descriptions about the Prophet, peace be upon him? You know, uh, you know uh, Islam teaches us to emulate him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in his character, and to obey his teachings. But why, you know, some people might inquire, is it beneficial to know what kind of ring he wore or how his hair was like and, and, and so on? You know, could this not possibly lead to, um, you know, uh, over-veneration or possibly being tempted to imagine how the Prophet, peace be upon him, looked like? So what... And you spoke about how this is, you know, could be a devotional act. So, you know, why is it beneficial uh, and important to know these details from a um, spiritual or devotional uh, perspective? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned the word meat and potatoes, I think, phrase three times now. Mm. But <clears throat> really, this is the zibda. Like, this is, this, this, is, this is why we're having this conversation today, mm. is because... Very simply put, and I'm going to go into detail on this, but very simply put, Allah instructed us to honor him, Mm. to support him, Mm. to revere him or venerate him, Mm. to love him, Mm. sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to follow him. Mm. And this was the practice of all the early generations. You know, and because of that, we must do it. That's the short answer. That's the short. You know, Allah Himself instructed us to revere Him. This is not something that we we innovated later on, mm. right? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Surah Al-Fatih He says, "Ya inna asanaka shahidan wa mubashiran wa nadira li tu'minu billahi wa rasulihi wa tu'aziruhu wa tuwqiruhu wa tusabbihuhu bukratan wa asila." God Almighty, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "We have sent you as a witness, shahidan." وَمُبَشِّرًا A giver of glad tidings. وَنَذِيرًا A warner. So that you may believe in Allah and His Messenger. And you may support Him, meaning support the Messenger. And you may revere Him, meaning revere the Messenger. And you may, uh, and so that you may uh, uh, glorify Him, meaning Allah. Right? بُكْرَةً In the mornings and the evenings. Mm -hmm. This is an instruction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think the, you can say, reading between the lines of your question, Right? The modern human being, generally speaking, has an issue with authority, right? Mm-hmm. The modern human being 
as an issue with authority. Because like modernity, generally speaking, is predicated on the idea and the value of freedom. And not only freedom, but an expressive sort of individualism. Not just that I am my own independent human being, but the world, you can say the world is a canvas in which my purpose is to express myself as I am. My purpose isn't to find my place in the larger world, right? And when that's the case, then anyone who wants to limit that, right, superficially limit that, I become kind of averse to. And so I think the modern human being, especially in the West, just has an issue with authority, veneration, respect in all of its in all of its manners. Whether it's revering Allah in the sense of worshiping Him, right? Because when we revere Allah, it means we worship Allah. We submit our will to God Almighty. Or if it's even even in being showing some humility and subservience to our parents, our elders, you know. The Western, the Western man, right, will have issues with the idea of kissing the hand, right? Mm, mm. That's something we grew up kissing our grandmother's hand and mm. doing this. It's a practice in many cultures of doing that. But the, the people have issues with that, right? Because it's like, why would you respect that uh, to that level? You know, I, I, I don't need to do that. I have an issue with that, right? Mm. So I think that's number one. That's kind of the there's the. the subtext of your question uh-huh, uh-huh. um and the other one is that there is an emphasis and a fear on what we call the the, the harm and so the said blocking the means to the harm becomes an obsession right because i have this idea that i am going to over venerate the messenger though i may not understand what that means and that's actually one of the great problems i think that you're trying to point out here Mm. is that over-veneration of the Messenger وسلم, is in worshipping him. Yeah, That's what over-veneration, it's not in learning these things, as I'm going to mm. point out, mm. right? Mm. But the reality is, is that all human beings need to emulate someone, mm. right? Mm. This idea of I'm my own individual, I can express myself in a unique way that is different than everyone else, right? Mm. Mm. That's, that's just a myth. We're, we all emulate, you know, we all follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what the believer is, you know, um, requested to do is that if you are going to follow, then follow well. And in order to follow follow well, you really need to love and devote yourself to the one you're following. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, you know, they say the medium is the message. Like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was the medium through which Allah azza wa jal chose to uh, teach us about the message of worshiping him, about Islam, of submitting to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you know, the medium is the message. Yeah. When she was asked about the character of the Prophet, she says, do you not read the Quran? His character, his khuluq is the Quran. He is the message, you know. And so if I, if I really want to follow him, it's an obligation to love him, to revere him, to know him. Because as the scholars, they say, Al-majhulu la yuhab. You know, mm. like the, the one who is unknown cannot be loved. Mm. The one who is unknown cannot be loved. Mm. There's a narration, two separate narrations with respect to this. The one who is unknown, by the way, can be revered. You can be in awe of the Messenger وسلم, without knowing him, without really knowing him, but you kind of have this haiba, 
you have this like reverence when his name is mentioned. There's an Egyptian joke that once um, a friend of mine shared with me. He says, this guy was leading the Salah, right? And he was reading Surah Al-Takathur. And instead of saying, Al-Hakum Al-Takathur, he said, Ilahukum Al-Takathur. Ilahukum Al-Takathur. So someone behind him corrected him. He said, Al-Hakum. Al-Hakum Al-Takathur. Al-Hakum means you have been distracted by. But it's spelled the same way. Ilahukum, your Lord, is spelt. So instead of saying you've been distracted by abundance, he said, your Lord is abundant. So the person yeah. corrected him, said, no, al-hakum. So after the salah, the imam who made the mistake turns around. He said, why did you correct me? It's not like we made a mistake in Bukhari. <laughs> right? So he, he, you, should, you see the reverence to the Prophet ﷺ, though I'm assuming if he if he can't if he doesn't know this simple surah, he probably doesn't know the Messenger ﷺ very well, right? Similarly, you know, Arabs, this is very common, if they're very angry, so if you know Basem and I have a fight and we're arguing, someone will come in, you'll say, Yeah, that's true, yeah, yeah. It's very common, right? He's like, people, people make salah upon the Prophet. Oh, so now the Messenger ﷺ is mentioned. Now I have a bit of reverence and I calm down a bit, yeah. or I should calm down. Right, there's two narrations that indicate this. Sayyidina Ali, radiAllahu anhu, when he speaks of the Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, describing him, at the end of the narration, he says, "Men ra'ahu badihatan habahu." Whoever sees him unexpectedly, right, is 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 kind of awestruck by him, mm-hmm. sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right, is awestruck by him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. وَمَنْ خَالَطَهُ مَعْرِفَةً أَحَبَّهُ but whoever mixes with him and gets to know him falls in love with him, sallallahu alayhi wa The idea here is what we're aiming for is love. Because mm. once you love, it's much easier to follow. Like mm. you just want to mm. follow them, right? Mm. Like mm. as an example, you know, a person, um, like I'm going to go to google.com right now. Oh, I'm sorry. Bear with me. Yeah. And you know how Google has like these auto, auto completion? Yeah. Yeah, like if you start. So I'm going to type Elon Musk, right? So Elon Musk, and I'm just going to I'm going to read what comes up. Oh, so Elon Musk children, Elon Musk net worth, Elon Musk spouse, Elon Musk wife, Elon Musk age, Elon Musk's son, Elon Musk education. So what's really interesting here is that Elon Musk is not known for his spouse, his wife, his age, <laughs> or his son, or his education. Mm, mm. What he's known for is, you know, what he's, you know, what he yeah. did with space, making access. rockets, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and other things, and, other things. <laughs> <laughs> and ruining um, Twitter. <laughs> okay, but and we're ruining there. Twitter. Yeah, we won't go there. But what's what's really interesting is that when you really become fascinated with someone, you just want to learn everything about them. You know, I I, I even remember myself, I um. I used to listen to this um, radio show. I used to have long commutes to work many years ago. And I would listen to this radio show about money. Mm. And the, 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 the host of the show's name was Kai Rizdal. And he had like, he was just a really good host. Even his voice was really nice. And I was just really curious as how the guy looks like. Mm. Like, I, I really want to know how he looks like. And I had this kind of mental image in my head. And then I Googled him and I was really disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he kind of didn't, didn't match what I thought he would look like. Right. So the idea is that, you know, if you really want to, if you really want to follow someone, you kind of, and you love them, you really want to learn 
things more about, about them. them. Yeah, yeah. You really want to learn more about them. You relate right? to them better. Yeah, yeah. You relate to them better. And that's why the Prophet he tells us, he instructs us that if you really want to complete your Iman, you need to love me. Right? Yeah. He says, Right? He says, by the one who my soul is in his hands, none of you will truly believe. None of you will truly complete your iman until I become more beloved to you, to the to them than themselves, their children, their their parents, and all of humanity. Right? Loving him is an obligation. In fact, we're going to be asked in our grave. You know, we're going to be asked. And who was this man that was sent to you? And in one narration, we'll say, he is the messenger of God. He is the messenger of God. We need to learn about him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in order yeah. to, 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 to speak like that, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so first of all, in order to follow him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we have to love him. Yes. In order to love him, we need to respect him, mm-hmm. and we need to learn about okay. him. Because mm-hmm. we, we can't model ourselves on something that we don't know, yeah. right? Yeah. And if we want to love, we need to become intricately familiar with him right yeah, the yeah. companions they would actually uh you um, they would like they would exaggerate they would they would exaggerate yeah. I, don't, I don't like to use that word yeah. in their in their right but yeah. um they they would they, they would overemphasize mm, the, the aspect of following him yeah. to the to the to the to the level that they would actually follow him in things that are not religiously obligated mm, right mm, this mm. is it's just filled in the hadith so for mm. instance Sayyidina Abu Ayyub al-Ansari right when he hosted the Prophet and he presented something and he noticed that the Messenger didn't eat from it. And he said, Why didn't you eat from it? So the Prophet said, You know, I don't I don't prefer it. He said, Then I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Sayyidina Anas narrates that the Prophet like he would when there was a plate of food and people would eat like around the same plate, he would look for, you know, um qitha is like a pumpkin, you know type of squash type of family, right? <laughs> he would look for that. So the Sayyidina Anas, عنه, I believe it's Sayyidina Anas, he would say, so I start doing the same thing, mm, right? Yeah, Some yeah. of the companions would be on travel and then they would like turn their riding animal and then turn it back, mm, you know? Mm, mm, and mm. when asked, why would you do that? They would say, well, I saw the messenger him do that on this trip once, so I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Right, they would wear the rings the same way the Prophet ﷺ wear their rings, mm-hmm. and the scholars of usul of fiqh they teach uh, teach us mm-hmm. that the the habits of the Messenger ﷺ in of themselves they need extra proof for yeah. them to be religiously obligated. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. they're his habits, like how he grew his hair, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in of themselves. According to probably the strongest opinion here, these are not religiously th- things that mm-hmm. are re- religiously yeah. obligated. Yeah. However, if a person does them out of love of him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then they're rewarded for it. Yeah. They're rewarded yeah. for it, right? Yeah. You, you can look at, like, and you, you just need to look how the companions venerated him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? Mm-hmm. And if you really want to do that, I really recommend everyone to read the book, Kitab al-Shifa. And I know, Bassam, you told me a long time ago once that when you go, I don't know if it was Umrah or Hajj, that's the book I take when I go, when I go to Hajj. <laughs> because, because in it, you really look, you, you just, you fall in love with the Messenger, وسلم. he has a chapter there around how the companions and those after them, how they revered and venerated the Prophet, yeah. right? So for instance, he mentioned Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, 
right? And Sayyidina Amr al-As would say that I, I, I never... I never fully looked at the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? وَمَا كُنْتُ أُطْلِقُ أَنْ أَمْلَأَ عَيْنِي مِنْهُ إِجْلَالًا وَلَوْ سُئِلْتُ أَنْ أَصِفَهُ مَا أَطَقْتُ لِأَنِّي لَمْ أَكُنْ أَمْلَأَ عَيْنِي He said, I never, he's like, if you ask me to describe him, I won't be able to, because I didn't get my eyes full of him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? They just had this, they had this awe of him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right, the the companion narrates uh, that the Prophet sallallahu the companions they will be as though there's birds on their heads when he's there. Mm. Yani every person was kind of just being very, you know, their head was lowered and they were in awe and in, in, in humility and, and reverence of him sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The very famous hadith of Sayyidina of uh, Urwa ibn Mas'ud, who at this time was not Muslim. This is during the treaty, the Sulh of Hudaybiyah, when he came as a negotiator, right? And he, he, the Quraysh sends him, and then he goes back to he goes back to Quraysh, and he describes what he saw, right? And he says that uh, no one of them will make wudu, except they would race to get the remains of the yeah. water of his wudu. Yeah. And by the way, this idea of tabarruk, like tabarruk, seeking yeah. barakah through his remains, mm. there's no difference of opinion amongst the scholars of this yeah. at yeah. all. Uh-oh. Like it's universally accepted. However, it's very common for modern people who are adherent Muslims to have a natural gut like yeah. reaction because of a modern sensibility of veneration. That, that that's what I was trying to point out earlier. Right? Yeah. yeah. We just we just have this idea that there's something wrong with this, right? But you know, like people again are obsessed with the remains of of of, of um of famous athletes or celebrities, and they go for auction for millions of dollars, right? The basketball player or the soccer player that takes off their jersey, their sweaty jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. These stuff are being sold on eBay for like ridiculous prices, right? And, you know, uh, how many people out there try to emulate Elvis's hairstyle or or the moonwalk of Michael Jackson or or, or any of these famous singers and, 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 and stars? The only different, I mean, from a human psychological standpoint, it's not very difficult to understand how someone who is a diehard fan of, of someone would emulate him in ways that a lot of people will find to be perhaps, you know, um, uh, strange or, be, or, or beyond normal. But what we're yeah. trying to point out is that it, that is understandable, but that this love and, and admiration is being misdirected towards the wrong kind of people. Right? And, and if anyone were to, you know, if anyone would have been is worthy of such level of, uh, you know, uh, admiration and love and reverence, it would be the final messenger was chosen by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala out of potentially billions and billions of human beings that could have been chosen, right? And so, what great honor, what great, uh, what a great rank, and 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 as you said, you know, uh, getting to know more and reading more about the Prophet um, does bring him closer to us. I mean, just thinking about this purely from a psychological standpoint, it does humanize him more rather than him simply being uh, an unknown abstract figure whose teachings that we know of, but if we get to know him and his features and characteristics more, it naturally, just naturally brings him closer uh, to us. And, uh, and, and, and I think that a lot of people understand that, but I think they are just uh, maybe not aware of their inconsistencies. Because I think if you were to drill down with a lot of these brothers, you'll probably find out that somewhere you know, with someone, you know, they're trying, they're emulating 
people in similar ways, whether it's their favorite MMA fighter or face or business guru or singer or athlete, they're doing it themselves without even realizing. Right. And, uh, and yeah, we just need to bring them back to, you know, directing that, that sort of, uh, uh, love towards uh, the one worthy of it. Barakalafikum, la fadlafuk. I mean, you, you, you. I mean, you, you nailed it, right? Yeah. You nailed it. And I think if you actually, you know, just a comment on that. If you, if you reflect on modern Sira works, and by modern here I mean like 20th century Sira works, right? 20th century Sira works. You start to actually see um, an increase and almost an obsession of, I don't want to say human characteristics of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but highlighting modern leadership qualities of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam in absence of the fact that he's a messenger sallallahu mm-hmm. alaihi wasallam you know so like the book of aqad abqariyat rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam as an example mm-hmm. you have you have a lot of these other like people that point out like him as a general mm-hmm. him as a leader mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and almost the, when i when i read some of these works i say where's is, where's is him at, like where is the I, fact that he's a messenger that i should revere and devote myself to him you know because that's in matlub actually that's that's what's required from us yeah. it's not just about learning about these aspects it's about he is the message you know he brought the message and i need to love him because he requested that of us and again that's what the companions did you know they would collect his hairs they would wring his sweat from from there's just too many examples yeah. they would actually so the, the the companions would would wipe his mimbar after he passed away as yeah. recorded from sayyidina abdullah ibn umar radiyallahu anhu mm-hmm. right and all of this because they want to love him and when they love him sallallahu alaihi wasallam it becomes much easier to follow him right when i learn how he spoke i want to speak like him when i learn about his humility i want to be humble like him when i learn how he lived sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know when i when i learn about his states then this becomes you can say my north star yeah. and though i will never be that because he's an insanul kamil you know he he achieved human completion i'm not going to say perfection because perfection is with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but he was he's the only one who has human completion yeah. right i really i really love um the poem of ahmad shauqi mm. you know walid al huda fil kainat dhiya'u Right, the poem of Ahmed Shoki when he describes a messenger or praises a messenger sallallahu and he has a few of them, but in this one, what he does is he starts speaking about virtues that we we all love: generosity, eloquence, uh, um, uh, being satisfied or right, being content, um, things like this. And he start in each one, he will mention it, and then he will mention how the Prophet sallallahu is perfect in it, right? When you are merciful, when you exercise mercy, you are as though you're a father or a mother. Because those in this dunya are the ones who are merciful, right? And he goes on and on. Right? If you, you know, when you are with your spouse, intimate with your spouse, you're the you're you're the greatest human being in treatment of their spouse. And as a father, you are the greatest father, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? And then when he speaks of his knowledge, he says, Ya ayyuhal ummi, yuhasbuka rutbatan fil ilmi andanat bika al-ulama, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, O unlettered one, sufficient is praise of your knowledge that all other scholars after you are indebted to you in your knowledge, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, and um, Sheikh Abdul Wahab, Tariri, you know, the great Saudi scholar, you know, he studied with 
المحدث شيخ عبد الفتاح ابو غده شيخ عبد الفتاح ابو غده and he narrates a story شيخ عبد الفتاح ابو غده taught in جامعه الامام when he was yeah. here when he was in Riyadh yeah. passed away in the late 90s 97 yeah 97 yeah so شيخ عبد الوهاب الطريري he mentions a, an incident that he had with شيخ عبد الفتاح ابو غده and he says i was once in the car with him and i was kind of enamored by all the different commentaries of, on on sahih al-bukhari you know he was mentioning this commentary and that commentary and he was like he, he was just talking to the sheikh about it. he was enamored by it. he's like i can't believe all these ulama did this and he and he said sheikh abd al-fattah abu ghadda smiled and he mentioned the response he says right and he says and every written word in those book right and every uttered word for anyone who's read those books fi ilmi nabiyyin ummiyyin lam yaqra maktuban right? He says, all of this is in the knowledge and in the being of an unlettered messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who never wrote anything, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? And so this is this is who we're dealing with. And to your point, if we're going to follow, let's double down. Let's double down on, 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 on his veneration and revering him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we do that by learning the limits, And the limits is that he is, you know, my teacher, one of my teachers, he says something beautiful. He says, whoever says Muhammad is just a messenger, as is in the verse, yeah, yeah. right? That's what you mean is by that. Either, <laughs> Yeah, is either a saintly scholar or an imbecile. You see what I'm saying? Because either they're trying to point out that in distinction with someone who's, come, who's trying to ascribe divinity to him, Or they're trying to lessen from his maqam and say, no, 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 he's just, he's just a man, right? No, he's, he's, he's a man, but he's unlike any other man, right? So learn the limits of, of revering him. However, double down on the concept itself, right? And so that's, that's, that's in summary. We, you know, it's an obligation to honor him, to revere him, to love him, to follow him. And that can only happen when we're investing in, invested in knowing him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as sayyiduna ali says man ra'ahu badihatan habahu wa man khalaqahu ma'rifatan ahabbahu whoever sees him unexpectedly is awestruck but whoever mixes with him and knows him loves him so that's our job though he's he's not with us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we get to know him through these works right through salah upon him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam you know wajdani like experientially through making salah upon him through learning these works of shama'il of sirah And, and so on and so forth. For our listeners who, um, you know, may not be able to read uh, the 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 in Arabic, are there is there any particular English translation uh, of the Shema'il that, that 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 you'd like to recommend um, for them? Yeah, there there are there are several. The ones when when I was teaching this class, the ones that like I used were a couple. Right. The first is this book, Shama'il al-Muhammadiyah. It's a very kind of, it's it spread recently. Shama'il al-Muhammadiyah. It's published by um, Al-Ghazali um, Institute oh. and by Abdelaziz, Sheikh Abdelaziz Suraqa, who's here in Pittsburgh in America, mm-hmm. and Sheikh mm-hmm. Muhammad Aslam in England. And they really put Ihsan in this work. Right. And so you can see like what they did is, you know, they, you can see the illumination on the, mm-hmm. on the sides. Nice. They use, They used like the the way of the old scholars of margins, so you can kind of see mm. the margins. 
commentary. Yeah. Uh, uh. They primarily, and one of the nice things is that they primarily relied on Imam al-Bajuri's commentary. Remember I said, that's the commentary that's most accessible. It kind of sticks to the spirit of the work without getting into the minutiae um, and intricacies of Ilmi details. It's a really good translation. Um, this copy was actually gifted to me by the translator himself, um, Sheikh Abdelaziz Suraka. And um, I would say this is probably my favorite. It's the best one. Right. Um, if there are, and I'm nobody to criticize or comment on commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Ju just just for discussion, just for discussion's sake, if there were anything, you know, sometimes he uses precise words that are gharib. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like translation he, he, is not not the easiest task, by the way. It's it's not an easy task at all. And you know, they sometimes they he, they take positions that um, uh, maybe the the mainstream ulama don't agree with, and so mm -hmm. they will insert those positions into mm -hmm. the commentary. Mm -hmm. But every every commentary and translation is going to yeah. have that, right? It's so for the most part, this is yeah. for the most part, this one is really good. It's my favorite Imam Al Ghazali Institute, Al Shamail Al Muhammadiyah. So that's one. There's another popular one. That's called um, Portrait of the Prophet. It's published by Fonts, the very famous Fonts. I don't know how to pronounce the last one, Vite or Vite. Or, okay. um, so it's published by them, and the translation is done by a renowned translator who passed away recently, Mahtar Holland. Oh, um, the translation itself, the words used are good, but it has a lot of mistakes. I mean, tons of mistakes. So, you know, my hope is that this gets a second revision it's really fixed and i think this will this this would be a really good one after that because otherwise there are there are a lot of a lot of errors in it unfortunately um there are other ones i haven't really read through them to be honest the ones available online like on sunnah.com they're not the greatest um so i would definitely try to get this imam al-ghazali one however there's also other works of shama'in that actually do a really good job. Mm. So I'll just mention them really quickly in English. Yeah. Uh, one, this is a very, this is an, a very uh, abridged one. So this is like really good if you are kind of, um, if you're just sitting down with your family and you just want to read certain characteristics of the Messenger Sallallahu mm. So for instance, his sword, his sister's Asha. sword, it'll say, mm. the Prophet Sallallahu had swords, the grips of which were made of silver. They were made by the Banu Hanifa tribe. It's kind of a summary of yeah, get the, to the, the point. way of Ibn Hadi. Yeah. This is yeah, this is called the Khulasa. Summary. It's a book by yeah, yeah. it's the Khulasa. It's a book by Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Hayy al Kittani, the, the great Muhammad, the one who again I we oh, I you read to, yeah. to I read to his son. So so this one this one, the English of it is very good. So that's that's the third one. This is my favorite. And this is a work by the late Imam Abdullah Sirajuddin al Husseini. Imam Abdullah Sirajuddin Husseini was a great scholar, uh, muhaddith. He wrote a famous commentary on Baykoniya. He also um, he was well known for his uh, uh, mastery of tafsir, but specifically like a ethar-based approach to tafsir. Mm -hmm. You know the aqwal mm -hmm. in verses. He's he's great. Sheikh Abdul Imam Abdullah Sirajuddin Husseini. He's one of the teachers of uh, Sheikh Muhammad Awama from Aleppo. He's a Halabi scholar. And it's called Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shama'iluhu. And it's translated as our master Muhammad, the messenger of Allah, his sublime character and exalted attributes. The tr it's translated by Khalid Williams. It's very well done. Nice. So I really like I really like this one. The book in Arabic is, is excellent, but also this translation is really good. And finally, I'll mention, there's many, but I'll mention yeah. the last one. This is a book by Yusuf al-Nabhani, mm -hmm. the late Sheikh Yusuf al-Nabhani I spoke about earlier. It's mm -hmm. called Wasail al-Wasail al-Wusul ila Shama al-Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. 
and it's translated as Muhammad, his character and beauty. It's okay. also translated by Sheikh Abdul Aziz Suraqa. And again, um, it's a little bit more expansive than the Khulasa, but it's more, it's probably more accessible than reading a hadith work, right? Yeah. Barakallahu for that. Uh, I think I'll also recommend one, one work um, as well. This is from uh, Dar al-Arqam. Are, are mm. you guys seeing it left to right? Or are, can, you, can you actually read it? Okay. It's good. So, yeah. so it's uh, from Dar al-Arqam, published in 2015. Uh, it's translated by a very dear friend of mine, uh, Ayman bin Khalid. And what I what I really like about this work as well, and and I think you know uh, maybe maybe for the translation, uh, uh, if if our listeners would like to start off, maybe they could read what was uh, you know recommended initially from uh, Sami uh, uh, translation of Abdaziz Suraqa. Because from what I know, this is also uh, you know uh, whenever I see uh, someone having a copy of the Shema, it's usually that translation. So I trust that's a very good translation. Uh, but what, what's also special about this work is that it has selected commentaries from over 20 uh, scholars. So selected commentaries translated from so contemporary scholars like Abdul Razak al-Badr and Ibn al-Uthaymi mm-hmm. and classical scholars like Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, uh, Mullah Ali Fari, uh, al-Bajuri, Ibn Hajar al-Haytami, uh, Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, al-Ghazali, Qadi Iyad, Ibn Taymiyyah, even though they're not necessarily commenting on the Shama'il, but you're still taking their commentaries on those ahadith which may have been done in in separate works, right? And so for those that would like to go on the next level and also read commentaries, especially from scholars from different uh, backgrounds and different affiliations, uh, this could also be a good work for, for our English uh, listeners. Uh, so they could also check that out uh, as well. Um, you know, uh, uh, I actually had that copy and I benefited a lot from it many, many years ago and I lost it. And oh. so I didn't know who the translator was. I didn't know yeah. anything about it. So Jazakallah khair for oh, mentioning yeah, yeah. it. Oh, no, he's a dear friend it, of mine. It actually yeah. is very good. Yeah, Imam bin Khalid. Yeah, he's a very, very dear friend of mine. A very uh, good brother. Uh, now the reward him. Um, how about lectures? Uh, uh, again, you know, it's not something that you do have to, uh, you know, uh, answer. But uh, are there any YouTube lectures out there that, uh, you know, that, that, that you may suggest? Could be Arabic for our students of knowledge listening in and for English listeners, again, if there are any English lectures that you could point them toward, that would also be good because not everyone is a reader. Not everyone's a reader. So some people prefer lectures. Maybe if we could direct them to that as well. So I think um, in terms of Arabic lectures, I'll be honest, I read straight from these source works that I mentioned. So I've never, I've never actually listened to any of the Arabic lectures. I, well, let me, let me rephrase that. I listened to some of Sheikh Walid bin Manasi's um, mm-hmm. lectures, but not, not enough to say I yeah, not listened enough. to it. Yeah. 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 So he, he does, he does have those. Like I said, Sheikh Muhammad Saleh al-Munajjid, Hafidhahullah, so Saudi Arabian scholar. He also has uh, a full series on that. You mentioned Sheikh um, Abdul Razak Badr. Um, he has as well, and he has he has a book on it as well. So, so those are in Arabic. Again, I can't comment comment on them, but you know they're they're well known, and uh, you know people people have benefited from them. In English, the one that I would highly recommend highly recommend is a teacher of mine. He is a Moroccan teacher, Sheikh Hassan Al Asham. Hassan Al Asham. The reason I really recommend Sheikh Hassan Al Asham's shop is that this is this is a scholar and a man who has dedicated his life to this topic and he has he has taken from um he has taken from great ulama of hadith in morocco including his one of his main teacher abdullah talidi 
rahmatullah one of the great hadith scholars and students of Luqmani's. You know, he he stayed with him in his in his home, really in his madrasa for many years. Took from him, and uh, he makes it accessible to people. And one thing Sheikh Hassan's been doing, he's a person I mentioned that does this every Rabi' al awwal. He would teach this um, through his uh, institute Taysir Seminary. So if you actually Google uh, on YouTube, put Taysir Seminary Shama'il like 2022, or look at yeah, Taysir right. Seminary. So, so Taysir would be T A Y S W E R. That's right. Seminary. So yeah. Taysir Seminary. Shama'il 2022. If you put that on YouTube, our listeners should be able to find that. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see like the whole live stream sessions, uh, live stream sessions, and he's mashallah. He's really an ocean when it comes to this topic. So, um, in English, I would recommend that. Again, there's others. There's so many. Uh, this mashallah, and modern people, uh, modern scholars, really, they've really served this topic, and they're serving this topic well. They're giving khidmah to it. So there's a lot. The 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 author of this work, um, Muhammad Aslam, Sheikh Muhammad Aslam, he has he has the whole thing as well. I haven't listened to it. Mashallah, mashallah. Well, they reward him. Um, maybe as we're approaching, you know, the end, uh, the end of our session, maybe it would be nice to perhaps give a, you know, a little flavor uh, of the Shama'il, uh, you know, to our listeners who may not be familiar with it. Do you, do you have any personal um, favorite sections uh, that, that perhaps you might uh, kindly read for us? Um, so, you know, that, that way, uh, talking about the Shemal and maybe not reading about it may not be doing it full, full, full justice. So, uh, of course, you no, could hear about here a few sections, if you don't mind, inshallah ta'ala. Of course, of course, yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I spent some time trying to think of what, what's my favorite, so to speak. But what I'll do instead of saying what my favorite is, I will try to read a couple hadith in about five minutes that actually... Each part of the description can summar- can summarize entire chapter. You yes. know what I mean? So it's 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 really it's it's really it serves well as a summary, right? Because you can you can comment a lot on it. Um, this first one is the seventh hadith of the collection, and it's a special hadith. The Ottoman calligraphers, you know, when you get your ijazah in calligraphy and khat, hmm. um, you have to write you have to write this hadith. Right? Oh, and you might if if I show you a picture of it, you actually might recognize the, the looks. They call it um Al-Hilya, right? Mm. So it's this one right here. So you've probably seen this like in uh, yeah. Yeah. calligraphy pieces. So this is like your your like final test to become a licensed calligrapher. Okay. And it's this hadith. Yeah, it's this hadith. I again I I, I narrate this from from my teacher um from the Sheikh from uh, Sheikh Abd Rahman Kittani, also from Sheikh Hassan Al-Ashab and Sheikh Muhammad Akram al Nadwi. Um, so I'll I'll read it just for the barakah of the isnads. Yeah, I'll read it with the isnads, you know, uh, from, from 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 my sanads. And I'm I'm a nobody, but for the barakah to mm-hmm. to keep this tradition alive. قال حدثنا أحمد بن عبدة الضبي البصري وعلي بن حجر وأبو جعفر محمد بن حسين وهو بن أبي حليمة والمعنى واحد قالوا حدثنا عيسى بن يونس عن عمر بن عبد الله مولى غفرة قال حدثني إبراهيم بن محمد so this is a, this is a narration, and um, now Sayyidina Ali ibn Abi Talib is speaking. or rather his grandchild is speaking. When Sayyidina Ali used to describe the Prophet he would say, He would say that the Messenger was not very tall. 
Nor was he very short. And you find this actually in all of his physical descriptions, وسلم, he was moderate in everything. Mm. In his height, in his complexion, in his hair. You're going mm-hmm. to see this right now. Because his physical appearance was a manifestation of his temperament. And okay. his uh, the religion that he was given that was جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and thus we have made you the moderate nation. So the Allah, it's only befitting that even in his physical appearance, sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa alayhi, he was given this, right? He was medium statured amongst his people. One of his marjizat, so this is, this is my commentary now, is that um, when, though he was medium statured, to the, to, the, to the person who looks at him, when he was amongst tall people, mm. it would seem as though he would uh, be like them. Uh, <laughs> and when he was amongst medium people, it seems like he was a bit taller than them, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But objectively, he was medium stature, mm-hmm. right? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Again, mm-hmm. His hair was neither very curly, nor was it very lank, very flat, but rather, uh, it was wavy, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Again, his hair, his hair again was medium. And uh, so remember, we said these hadith, it serves as like a summary. But mm. then later narrations, later chapters now talk about the length of his hair. Sometimes he would grow it until his earlobe, mm. right? The mm. lumma. Sometimes he would grow it ab- below his earlobe. And sometimes jumma to his shoulder. Mm. But it was wavy in any case. Sometimes he would tie it, especially when he traveled, you know, out of convenience so it doesn't get dirty. Sometimes he would braid it. He made four braids, two on either side during uh, the Fatih of Mecca when he traveled, again, out of convenience, right? Mm-hmm. Sallallahu ta'ala You see, he was in his dunya, he was very practical, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In the way he looked, elegant, but very, you can say, practical in what he did. Because he didn't give the dunya attention. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't praise it too much, nor would he blame it too much, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He treated it for what it is. Yeah. It's not something worthy of value. So like clothes, he didn't go out of his way to buy to get special clothes. Whatever was given to him, he would wear, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whether it's a gift of foreign clothes or Arab clothes, he would wear what was given to him. Food, whatever was served for him, he would eat, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He didn't go out of his way to get anything special. Anyway, um, can, back to the hadith, كَانَ جَعْدًا رَجِلًا وَلَمْ يَكُنْ بِالْمُطَّهَمِ وَلَا بِالْمُكَلْفَمِ وَكَانَ فِي وَجْهِهِ تَدْوِيرٌ The Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, was neither very um, fat, Right. What I like uh, as an example of one of the things these translators they didn't say fat, they used the word corpulent, 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 mm-hmm. corpulent, and you know it's a strange word, but it also has more adab than just saying fat. Yes, you know what I mean. So it's it's may Allah are bless the translators. He was neither very fat or corpulent, as they say. Mm-hmm. His face wasn't very round, but it had some roundness in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, in in another narration, actually the next narration, it mentions كان سواء البطن والصدري. His chest and his stomach were in line, right? So he didn't have a belly. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. أبيض مشرب. He was he was white, but with a hue of pinkness, meaning he was he was tan. He wasn't very like uh, very pale white, nor was he very dark. Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But he was somewhere in the middle. Means his eyes, like the iris was the black was very black, and the yeah. white, the pupil was, it was very black, and the white was very white. Okay. So the contrast was very stark. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
الأشفاري. He had very long eyelashes, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And long eyelashes is a sign of beauty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Amongst the Arabs, but it's also a sign of beauty today. Like, alhamdulillah, my even children. Today. Yeah, mashallah. Even today, like, my, my children have very long, I don't, but my children have very long eyelashes. Mashallah. And they always get comments, you know, from like, the, oh, there's eyelashes that are very long. And I always remember, I always remind them, actually, because I want them to know. I say, you're like your messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Know that, you know, he's been given that. You know, just to, to get them to, to, to relate to him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jalilul mushashi wal katidi. The Prophet ﷺ, Jalil means great, which means big. So his joints were big, his shoulders ﷺ were broad. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he had the he had the he had that stature of someone who was strong, ﷺ. He was bare chested, but he had a thin line of hair that goes down his chest to his navel, ﷺ. He wasn't very hairy. He was fully fleshed in his kafayn, which are his palms, and his qadamain, in his feet. So they weren't like very lanky and thin, but they were fully fleshed without being corpulent, as we said, without being fat. Mm-hmm. When he walked, he walked with purpose, with vigor. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, in Arabic, you know, you know, Palestinians and Syrians, so uh, like you, you like you uproot something. Yeah. He walked, he walked with vigor, like he's uprooting something from the mm-hmm. earth. And they say as though he is climbing down an incline. He walked with purpose, sallallahu alayhi wa He didn't walk like someone who had nowhere to go and yeah. didn't care about the world. Now soon he's gonna start speaking about his character. When he turned to address someone, he didn't just turn his face or a portion of his eye, but he teaches us to show importance to people. So he would turn his whole body when he addressed someone. Between his two shoulders is a seal of the prophethood, and he is indeed the seal of all prophets. Now he's going to mention short sentences that summarize his entire character, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is why I love this hadith. I have this piece of calligraphy, you know, uh, in, in our living room downstairs, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that I look at and I pray, I, I make salah upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mm-hmm. because it reminds you of him. He says, Sayyidina Ali, Ajwadun nasi sadra. Ajwad, meaning the most generous, of people in his heart. You know what this means? It means some people, they fake it till you make it. Yes. You know, like maybe like Bassam can't stand me right now, but he, <laughs> he could. But but if he, when he couldn't stand me when I was younger, but in his adab, he just puts up with me. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just put up with people just because with like I, yeah. I need to force myself to be to have good character, yeah. but I don't have good character. <laughs> I'm just, for, I'm forcing yeah. the good conduct. Yeah. The Prophet yeah. was not that. He was genuine, right? He was genuine in his generosity in his heart. It was genuine, right? He was the most truthful people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in speech. You know, the most truthful of them in speech. He was the most gentle in his temperament. And he emphasizes, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He said, gentleness is not added to anything except as it beautifies it. So Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa temperament was gentle. And this is 
from Allah's hikmah that he gave the Prophet both Jamal and Jalal. Right? Jamal is beauty, Jalal is awe. Oh. The Prophets before him were given one or the other. Oh. So, for instance, Sayyidina Ibrahim and Sayyidina Isa, السلام, they were both given beauty, Jamal, gentleness, mercy. Mm. My youngest son is Ibrahim, and he's my fourth. And I have three boys. And so we, we named him Ibrahim because we said we need, we need someone gentle <laughs> to make life easy for us. So say, Sayyidina Ibrahim, Allah says, Halimun. He was, he was forbearing. Awahun, someone who devoted and turned to Allah. Munib. You know, Allah, he had these gentle characteristics. But Sayyidina Musa, Sayyidina Nuh, no, they had that firm Jalal. The Prophet was given both. Right? And, and, and that's, that's what makes him a universal prophet. That he really had all those qualities in one being. So here, the author says that his temperament was gentle. It wasn't. It wasn't that firm temperament that made other that made people go away from him. No, yeah. he was gentle, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was firm when he needed to be, but he was gentle in his temperament naturally. Whoever sees him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, unknowingly is awestruck by him. Right. There's actually one narration mentioned that a woman uh, of the companions of the Sahabiyat ta'ala and Hunna saw the Prophet when he was sitting in Qurfusat. Right. He was sitting like either cross-legged or like in a way where his legs were crossed somehow. Right. And she said it was as though that she was gonna fall from Rab, like from awe. Right. Because she didn't know. That the Messenger was there. And so she when he saw him like this, she's awestruck by him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? But once but so once you get to know him, the next part, but whoever mixes with him and gets to know him falls in love with him, sallallahu alayhi wa And and similarly to anyone who gets to know him through his tradition and through the inheritors of that tradition, which are, which are the scholars. Right? They say the people of hadith are the people of the Prophet. Though, even though they did not mix with his being, mm. they did not uh, 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 witness his being, they did his breaths. Right? So that's that's how we get to know him. And then finally, he says, Anyone who describes him will have to say, I have not seen anything like him before or after that. So this is a foundational hadith in this work. There's so many other, man. I, I want to I wanna speak more, but no, I, think no, I, no. I think you picked the... MashaAllah, no, no, you picked a very beautiful hadith, uh, uh, you know, the, to, to represent... Uh, you know the the book, and inshallah, you know I, again, you know barakallahu Sami for uh, educating us uh, about the shamal's importance and contents. Um, you know, inshallah, I pray that this discussion uh, you know, stimulates our listeners to pick up a copy and start reading it with the intention well, no, no, no. of growing closer to and increasing their love of the Prophet Before we bring this session to a close, are there any final words of advice that you'd like to give our listeners? No, I, I mean, the, the final thing I'll say is invest, you know, Imam al-Ghazali in Ihya Ulum al-Din, he, he speaks about um, the different scholars kind of um, 
every scholar of a specific science will say their science is the most important thing, mm. you know? Mm. And for a lot of us, we can invest our whole lives around things that are not fundamental mm. to getting us to where we need to be, which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to get to the pleasure of Allah, there's only one way, and it's through the Messenger them, through loving him and through following him. And if that doesn't happen, then we can't reach Allah, period. And so invest your life in getting to know and love the Prophet And the more that we do that, the more that Allah will open doors for us of, of knowledge of him, of Allah of closeness to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'll mention four ways to do that, right? Number one, I always used to think that the first step to loving the Messenger وسلم, is getting to know him. And what I've realized with time and from my teachers is that there's a step that precedes that or in parallel with it, which is find others that love him, وسلم, because then you see what love of the Messenger وسلم, looks like. You know, Sometimes those people are alive physically, Sometimes you need to read about them in the books, right? Like think of Imam Malik. Look at Imam Malik's love of the Messenger and walking barefoot in Medina, being stung by a scorpion 30 some odd times and not moving while he's doing tahdith, while he's relating the hadith of the Prophet His ijlal and his hayba and his love and his, you know, honoring of the Prophet وسلم, you just you just read it and you say, how can someone love him in this way? And I've been blessed to be with people and teachers that are like this with the Messenger they just have this incredible love in different aspects of his life. When you see that model, do you understand it, right? And that's why the Prophet says inheritance is his knowledge. And his knowledge is that what he taught us. And the scholars that take it have this full love of him, وسلم. So I would say step number one, find those that love him, that truly love him, whether they are physical or in the books. Then number two, read about him. And I strongly encourage everyone to start with the genre of Shama'il before Sirah. Mm, yeah. Because the Shama'il contextualizes the life of the Prophet ﷺ. That's what it does for you. Mm. Now when I read about his wars and his events and all these things, mm. I know who he is. Mm. So not, not only do I understand the event in light of his personality, mm. for someone who's on the fence, I can be charitable with him, sallallahu mm. I say, no, 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 this is, this is not what I know of him, sallallahu mm. Or there must be an explanation here or something like that because I know who his character, what his mm. character is. I know who he is. I know how he was, sallallahu So I would say, start with Shama'in before Sirah. And that was the way of old, by the way. I think it's a very mo- it's it's a very modern thing to start with sirah first. Mm-hmm. and you know what's beautiful about shamail? Sorry, I know I'm, I'm, we already we're past this, but no, 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 if no. you actually if you actually open the first chapter and you say who are the people narrating these hadiths, you find they're Anas ibn Malik, Bara ibn Azib, Mahmud ibn Rabia. They're all very young companions, uh-huh. right? And one of the things about young, this is my own reflection, it could be wrong, Allah knows best, but one of the things about young companions is that young people, they are enamored with these types of things, mm. which means that mm. it's more effective to teach our children yeah. about these types of things than to go into like long details about sirah. We should yeah. teach a sirah, don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. Let's start with this. And as Malik says, I touched his palm and I never saw anything as, and I've touched, you know, harir, I've touched silk, the finest of silks, but nothing was smoother than the palm of the messenger, وسلم, right? These are children. They remember these things. Yeah, They remember yeah, these yeah. physical touches and these descriptions. Yeah, yeah. Our children will remember these, like 
comparing. Mm-hmm. Oh, your hair is wavy. Look, that's like the hair of the messenger son. Yeah. You'll remember yeah. these things. Yes, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So start with the Shema and before the Seedah. So that's number two. Number one, again, mix with people that love him. Number two, get to know him primarily through the Shema. Number three, and this is the most critical of all of it, of all of them, is increasing your salah upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Salawat upon the Prophet is the building blocks of getting to know him, right? If I learn and I want Allah to give me more knowledge and ma'rifah, discovery and knowledge of him, then make more salawat upon him. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina aw ala Nabiina Muhammadin wa alihi. Right? Oh Allah, send your salawat, your your prayers upon our beloved Messenger and his family, right? When I do this, more love of the Prophet وسلم, will enter my heart. That's the that's the means Allah has given us to love the Messenger وسلم, And there's no limit to how much salawat you do. Yeah. As in the famous hadith of Sayyidina Ubayy ibn Kaab, who once the Prophet وسلم, gave a mawaidah, he he gave a reminder late in the evening. And it was a very firm, stern reminder about death and that death is coming to us and so on and so forth. It's a longer narration, but then Sayyidina Ubayy ibn Ka'ab, may Allah be pleased with him, he tells the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, how much of my remembrance of Allah or my dua should be salah, salah upon you, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, as much as you want. So he said, okay, then I will do one third. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, one third of all of my dhikr or all of my dua will be salah upon you. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that's good. But if you increase, it's better. The number kept increasing and they go back and forth. You know, one third and then half and then two thirds. Until Sayyidina Ubay said, Ya Rasulullah, all of my dhikr, all of my dua will exclusively be salawat upon you. So the, and this is authentic hadith. The Prophet then responded. He said, if you do that, Allah will forgive your sins. Your sins will be forgiven. And Allah will suffice you your worries. Right? The scholars, they comment on the hadith. They say, does it really mean no dua? Just everything, salah upon the Prophet And you find some of the scholars, I believe including Ibn Taymiyyah, when I read in his um, Al-Fatawa Al-Kubra, in his Fatawa, even if he says, no, this actually means it literally. Yeah. Right? That, you know, Sayyidina Ubayyah, at this stage, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying, no, exclusively make salawat upon me. Others say, no, it means that when you make dua, always couple it with salawat upon the Prophet Sallallahu But in either case, you either see case. the greatness of the salah. Absolutely. Not only that, our salah reaches the Prophet Sallallahu Our salam to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi reaches us according to the authentic hadith. Right, right? The Prophet ﷺ teaches us that the best of your days is a day of Friday. So increase it in your salah upon me on this day. Because your salah will be presented to me. So the companions had were smart and they said, Ya Rasulullah, now that you're alive, we understand. What about when you decay? Meaning like you, you've decayed. So the Prophet ﷺ corrected their understanding and he said the bodies of the prophets were made haram for the earth to consume. So we believe that our salah is presented to him. And how, how beautiful a thing this is, right? So that's number three. And I'll say number four, in small doses, right? In small doses, a person 
should sing praises of the Prophet as well as listen to Madiha and poetry of the Prophet You know, not only is there nothing wrong with this, this is his sunnah. The Prophet used to create a pulpit for his poet, Sayyidina Hassan and Thabit, in the masjid to stand up and to praise the Prophet and defend him. As in Sahih al-Bukhari, and the Prophet would praise him and make dua for him. He said, Inna Allaha yu'ayyidu hassana biruhi al-Qudusi ma yunafihu aw ma yufakhiru al Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh, I don't have the narration in front of me. He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will aid Hassan with Angel Jibreel. Allah will send him madad. He'll send him, you know, uh, um, reinforcements of Angel Jibreel himself as long as he continues to praise and defend the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? This this madih and praise and poetry shouldn't come at the expense of salawat upon him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of learning about him. But you can say it's like the salt. So it's an important thing because what does it do? It moves our emotions. That's what that's what song, halal song, I'm not talking about the haram things. That's what song and verse do to our hearts. It creates it creates emotions that want me to do more. Of course, when it's done into in abundance, it perhaps becomes an issue, but it's it is an important part of it. So those four things again, I'll I'll I'll, I'll mention them again. Number one, find someone who loves the Messenger وسلم, and spend time with them. If you can't some, find someone physically, find them in the books. Right? As Imam al-Junaid says, Stories are soldiers of Allah. Allah will give thabat, will get steadfastness to whom he wants through these stories. Number two, learn about him. Shama'in before sirah, but both are important. Number three, increase in salawat upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number four, listen and read poetry of praise and the genre of what they call madih, of praise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. هذا والله تعالى أعلى وأعلم ونأسك الله سبحانه وتعالى تلاوس تبي of the محبين of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وصل الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله والمحبوبين لديه ونأسك الله عز وجل تلاوس تبي from those that whom we love him and he loves us صلى الله عليه وسلم from those that follow his sunnah from those that spend the time investing our lives to get to know him and to follow in his way and to be محمد in everything that we do right to allow the light of our beloved Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم to, to, uh, to illuminate our hearts and to emanate from everything that we do, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to allow us to be from those that follow him, for those that will be with him on the last day, from those that follow him in his character, for those that, that work hard to, to allow our children and our spouses to follow him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reward you, Abbasam and, and Dr. Paul, for all the great work that you all are doing. Allah to put it on your scale of good deeds. Allah to allow it to be, inshallah, a proof for you on the Day of Judgment with Al-Habib sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for spreading his, his religion. Wa barakallahu feekum. Barakallahu feekum, Akhi Sami. Barakallahu feekum for educating us about this uh, work and uh, helping us draw closer to the Prophet and instilling Allah using you to install, instill love into the hearts of our people for, uh, for the Prophet once again for your final advice very specific um, very helpful and inshallah ta'ala our, you know, our listeners will take heed of it and I'm going to part you and our listeners with the Islamic readings assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh